Hello, and welcome to The Board Table, a podcast from the North Carolina School Boards Association. I'm Leanne Winner, the Association's Executive Director and your host. Our goal for this podcast is to equip North Carolina School Board members with the tools and knowledge they need to govern successfully. It's also an opportunity for school administrators, community members, and parents to learn more about current issues in public education, as well as best practices for effective school board members. Political discussions in the classroom. Now that can get complicated. The debate on how and to what degree these conversations should occur has gained increased attention over the years leaving many of our school board members unsure if it can be done. Join Amber Horton, NCSBA's Assistant Director of Board Development, as she talks with Associate Professor at NC State University and Educational Specialist in Nonpartisan Democratic Education, Dr. Paula McAvoy, on how political discussions can be student-centered, fair, and civil. Let's listen in. Thanks, Leanne, and welcome everyone to this episode of The Board Table. I am absolutely honored to be joined today by Dr. Paula McAvoy, who is an Associate Professor of Social Studies Education at North Carolina State University, published author, as well as an educational specialist in creating the nonpartisan political classroom. So welcome, Dr. McAvoy. Thank you so much for being here. Let's go ahead and get started. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started in this work, and about your passion for this work. Great. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. My professional career is I started as a high school social studies teacher many, many years ago in California, where I taught primarily U.S. history, government, and economics at at an alternative high school program in California. And it was that that program, we were very discussion-based, project-based um, approach to learning and, edu- and education. And that's really where my passion began for having classroom discussions. And I think, you know, then I eventually, I'll just finish the career trajectory <laughs> there. I, eventually, I, after teaching there for 10 years, I decided to go back <clears throat> and get my PhD from the University of Wisconsin-Madison which focused on philosophy of education, um, in particular with ethics and, and ethical issues around teaching and social studies education. And it was there that I became part of a large study with Diana Hess on uh, what students experience and learn from political discussion in the classroom, which led to the book that you mentioned at the top, The Political Classroom, Evidence and Ethics in Democratic Education. And so, the passionate part of me is that the what we know when we research classroom discussion um, is that it rarely happens. There's a lot of hand wringing today about what is being spoken, talked about in social studies classrooms, uh, which is sort of a strange situation from my perspective, given that what researchers and teacher educators have been trying to do for years and years is actually get students to talk in classrooms. <laughs> and so yes. I think... Um, the work I've been doing or that I do is, is helping teachers understand how to actually have good discussions in the classroom, which is the most exciting thing you can do and the hardest thing you can do in a classroom. Absolutely. And as we as we shared, um, I taught in the classroom as well, high school social studies as well. So we share that in common. And I can understand that that is 
the greatest but also hardest thing um, to do and to lead. And, and as we get into some of our next discussions, though, I'm excited for you to share how this can be done and how it, it can be effective. And it almost makes me, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here at NCSBA, but it um, makes me really want to have the opportunity to go back into the classroom and to take some of your skill sets um, that I know you're going to share with us and, and be able to kind of apply some of that. When you do talk about kind of getting into our next question, though, when we talk about uh, the term politics and we talk about discussions, that can make people rightfully so nervous, especially in the high school classroom. And, um, and educators can kind of debate about what degree and what links these conversations should happen. Um, and, and people on all political spectrums have concerns in that makes sense. But you have, as you talked about your research and your work, um, have created ways that, again, this can be done. So will you explain to us um, what this classroom structure looks like and and if there's any misconceptions and, and things that you really want to address that this is something that's achievable, that's obtainable, and can be done in, again, this nonpartisan way um, for people to have these discussions and for students to have these discussions? Yeah. So I'll start with some misconceptions, actually. I think what a major misconception is, is around the word discussion itself. Mm. And I think it's a word that we use a lot in education. We're going to discuss World War II this week. Or, um, and what, what people often mean is just included in the curriculum. Okay. Uh, we're discussing, you know, whatever topics right. that come up. But what, 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 your, what your question is getting at and what's going along in, in American politics today is the, is the idea of engaging students in discussions about controversial political issues. And discussion here means that students are talking, right? So you can discuss, if the te- your colleague who might say we're discussing World War II this week might be lecturing the entire time and students say nothing, right? right. Um, but when we actually try to engage students in discussion, it means you're going to let them talk. Um, and then, and I think what the public often hears with discussion is they imagine the teacher talking at students and sharing and like just giving them political content. Right, or um, opinions. not how I think, or opinion. And so what I've been, what I do in professional development workshops and in the book and my work with Diana Hess is that is to think about discussion as students talking to each other. So the teacher moves from the focus of the classroom, the person standing at the front of the room, and becomes the orchestrator of a discussion. And so this changes the dynamic in the classroom. And so to do that well, you need to prepare students in advance. So we need to have some background material. What a common mistake that teachers do is they think that they could just enter the classroom on a Tuesday, (laughs) throw out a topic, this happened in the news this weekend, who wants to talk about this? And that's a terrible way to have a discussion. That's an invitation to a mess. And so knowing, thinking in advance, I want to have a discussion on Thursday, what do I need to do Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to get students ready so that everyone has access to that discussion? That means we need some background information. You also need structure for discussion. And so um, I think a lot of times also teachers imagine sort of a Socratic seminar style discussion where every where it's one big group having a discussion together, which is a fine discussion. I think that happens to be the hardest discussion to have 
It's also the discussion with the fewest participant participation opportunities, right? Only one person can talk at a time when you do that. So if you instead use strategies that are structured in which students are talking in small groups, you're giving lots of people opportunity to talk to one another. And that requires some skill and training on the part of the teacher. And there's many strategies that you can use. Um, but these strategies often require people to take turns. They require moments when we're going to listen, maybe when we repeat back what we heard, that you refer to the resources in front of you, that you give an argument and then have to learn how to respond to an argument. So these are there's all these uh, little nuanced parts of discussion that need to be trained and taught with students. I think another misconception among teachers is that uh, all students know how to speak, therefore they know how to discuss. And that is not true, that uh, an academic discussion is something that needs to be learned. You need to scaffold towards it. Uh, you, it doesn't happen on the first day. It's something that you build towards in the classroom. Right. And so I think that's, you know, that's um, the overall. So I think the idea, getting the, mis the public misconception, it's that teachers are talking at students and instead thinking, no, it's teachers. The goal here is for students to talk to each other and share and exchange ideas um, in the classroom. I think that's the, the main goal that I try to teach my own students at NC State and teachers that I work with across the country. Student-led is huge. That's huge, huge piece of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the, the the partisan divisiveness, which was the beginning of your question, yes. um, is that I think what a lot of people, when they hear politics, they mean we're gonna talk about uh, who's the next president and we're gonna have a debate about it and it's going to be hot and contentious and people are going to be angry at the end of it. Um, and that's not what, what we're talking about. There are lots of, so I, in the book, The Political Classroom, we define the political classroom as classes that are engaging students in questions about how should we live together. So every public policy question, local, school level, state level, federal level, these are all questions this is the essential question of democracy. How should we live together? What are the rules that we're going to put around ourselves? What freedoms are we going to allow? What freedoms are we going to limit? Um, and that that's what we're trying to get at, that the purpose of schools is to help young people answer that question. And I think, and that will kind of lead us into uh, sort of our next question that we have for you. I think sometimes, too, there there's the layers, right? And, and we kind of get, like you said, the misconception, there's layers that were built upon. And I, I think that if those misconceptions are, are taken away, you may have more people open to having these dialogues in their classrooms and having these discussions and being able to say, oh, okay, it is student-led. It is going to be something that's, that's done through arguments and research, and it's going to be something that's well-prepared and, and all of the things that you just said, um, I think some of the eyebrow raising and some of the cautiousness um, may be able to um, dissipate a little bit. Um, but as a former teacher, I could absolutely understand people being nervous um, about being able to do this, but, but you found a great way to be able to um, provide these discussions. Um, absolutely wonderful. Um, our next question for you is, Advantages of students participating in democratic education, even in the climate that we live in. So more than just this is something that you've done in your high school social studies classroom, what are some of the skills that is going to be able to transfer from, I guess we could say childhood, even though high school students would argue, my high school, former high school students would argue that they are not children. Um, but what are some of the skills and benefits that kids are going to have 
participating in this democratic education and, and will take them into their adulthood. You've mentioned and alluded to some of it, but talk to us about that. Yeah, I think that, you know, in today's political climate, the reality is that you young people today don't see a lot of modeling healthy political talk across political differences. Right. Um, so it's not really happening in families. It doesn't happen in workplaces too often. Yeah. Know, so this is, or in the media, certainly not on the internet. I mean, there's exchanges happening, but they're not necessarily healthy, right? Correct. So um, the classroom is actually a, an ideal place, especially in a public school classroom of helping young people see that you actually can talk across your differences. Um, you can learn to listen to one another. And that what you know, what we know is that when young people do this, when adults do this, and when young people do this, you find out that A, you have more to learn about that issue, most likely, that your gut instinct may not be right, <laughs> that, and that you actually probably care about a lot of the same things when you actually start talking to one another. But because we put, we used a lot of, you know, name calling and divisiveness in the public, it feels easy to write people off. And what we hear, when I do research with young people, it becomes immediately clear <laughs> that students are mostly tremendously confused about the political climate. It might be for adults, what side of the, the partisan divide you're on might be very clear to you. Young people, either they're kind of hyper-partisan themselves because they've been raised in a hyper-partisan family, or they just don't get what's happening. And so I think that, you know, a lot of teachers shy away from political discussion because they're worried that this is a, par a partisan battle that's going to happen. Yes. The reality is that young people need to learn about these issues. They need to, for the first time, consider immigration policy or uh, gun policy, et cetera. And so, so one thing that they learn is about the issues. They learn the range of views about the issues. They, they understand, they learn about possibilities, um, ways to move forward, right? So when I think that one thing about discussion is that when we deliberate with one another, it's kind of a, it's a hopeful thing to do, mm -hmm. right? You're trying to figure something out. How should we move forward? Um, not just how should we disagree with one another? And then in the research that I've done, you know, we see there's various things that we find that they, that in classrooms with good discussion, students become more interested in politics. They become more interested in talking to others about political views. Um, they're more likely to vote. They, move, they become more um, sort of engaged civically into adulthood. In my most recent research, I found that if you do deliberations, which is helping using strategies in which students have to come to a point of agreement, versus a debate mm. that you actually see students moving their they move towards one another on the positions uh, of the, on the issue and debates actually push people further away which makes perfect sense but it's interesting that the strategy you use will have a different effect it does on the students and so I, and then on top of that so if that as if that's not good enough reason to have discussion it's also just an academic skill and a professional skill that one needs, right? You you don't do well in life if you don't know how to use your voice, give a view, have someone maybe disagree with that view and, and keep moving on in the conversation. So we need this just as human beings, um, put politics aside, but we um, this is just something that, that young people need to learn how to do. Um, and it's certainly not gonna be learned 
in many other places than in a school classroom. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a place that is, when it's well done and it is well organized and prepared for um, by, by the educator, it's a place that, you know, we, we want students to practice so many other things. We want them to practice their math skills and we want them to practice how to formulate sentences and to write their essays. You know, being able to have these discussions would be a great safe place for them to be able to do that, to take to the real world. Um, to transfer that into adulthood. Obviously, adulthood comes with its own life lessons and struggles, but I think you make a really excellent point about practicing this while they're under the care of, of our educators that can kind of help with them and be like, hey, you know, here's how we can work through these issues and here's how we can work through um, the response to these and here's how we can um, just in general be a better person and go through life having these discussions because they're not going anywhere. These issues are not they're going to follow you into adulthood now, but being able to have that skill set of um, of what to take with them at, when they get further. So I think that is a great point to make the, of, the, of the, the inclusiveness of um, the classroom. The next question we've got for you, though, is looking for uh, some advice uh, for our school board members. We are seeing there is an increase in Partisan boards, we're seeing uh, there's about 40 currently right now. We've got around 10 or so by the time we get into next year. Um, do you have any particular advice or strategies for board members that you've seen throughout your research and work that they might be able to implement in their board meetings when you're working with uh, a contentious group? Um, anything that you would suggest, advice, ideas, reminders, anything at all that you could share with our board members. Right. I'll just, I'll be clear that I've never been on a school board and I don't <laughs> have answers for your most hot and contentious school board meetings. But I do think in general, if you're going to start working with a group of people and you know, you've got partisan labels that are different, um, you, the, I think that when having discussions and, and some, many of the strategies I talk about in the classroom model, this sort of behavior, the strategy, which is, be curious about why you disagree with one another. Mm. So what political science research has shown is that trying to argue with people about why you are right uh, almost never changes anyone's mind. <laughs> and so, but under, trying to understand each other and find, oh, what is it that we actually value? And in a school board, hopefully there's common agreement that we value good schools and that we value young people having high quality education and being prepared for whatever life they choose to leave outside of the school. And so if we can keep in mind that you will care about the, the young people that you are dealing with more <laughs> than you care about the larger political discussion, then I think you'll, you're, you're on better ground. And so one strategy for being curious is that before you disagree with someone, well, first share why you care about whatever issue is being. On a very personal level, why do I care about this? Um, whatever was being disagreed with. And then the, it's a classic strategy for conflict resolution, but repeat back what you heard. What I heard you say was that you this matters to you because. Okay. And actually just repeating back that simple, what I heard you say was, it's very affirming to the person who, who made the statement. And you make sure that you are, in fact, listening to them. Clarifies, right? so yeah. You don't, you're not listening for the purpose of disagreeing. You're listening for the purpose of affirming. And so, um, you know, these are, I think this is important, um, just human connection 
you know, I think what's happening is that federal debates are are seeping down to the local level. That's what's been going on. But you got to keep it. That's not what the school is concerned about. That's not what your teachers are concerned. That's not going to help your young people by trying to win a battle for your party. Right. You should be you should be trying to win victories for the young people that you're serving. Yeah, keep those kids at the at the forefront and their focus. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that is a great piece of advice. Wrapping it up here, in your opinion and your expert advice, how can school board members help with supporting your work? What are some things that they could do to to support your work in this nonpartisan political classroom, having these discussions? What's some things they could do? This is such an important question right now. Now, and so much research showing that what is blocking teachers from uh, doing having these sorts of discussions in the classroom is not feeling supported in the building by the principal or by the school board. <laughs> and so school boards that can make policies that explicitly say we support teachers in engaging students in discussions um, in which you know that student-centered discussions, providing Teach, you know, the other reality is that a lot of teachers aspire to have discussion, but don't necessarily know how to do it. And agreed. And teachers need more professional development and support in learning the strategies that that I'm talking about, or that I've you know again <laughs> that I teach yeah. <laughs> that I teach workshops in order to make discussion what what a collective inquiry rather than a debate or a teacher sort of having to be a totally teacher facilitated um, experience. And so, providing teachers with the opportunities and time to have both the professional development to do this is huge. To understand that Paula that policies that explicitly support them are necessary, <laughs> making sure you're not instituting policies that go against the state standards. Um, so keep in mind that the state standards, especially in, in social studies, are about the values and skills that I've talked about. And so we want we don't want to try to shut down teachers from doing this sort of work. What we want to do is try to support them and have a vision of what, what good looks like and help them move towards that. And the other reality is that we, you know, we live in a world in which right now uh, parental rights is is talked about a lot. And yes, parents have rights and interests over what should happen in schools. That's that's I don't disagree with that, but they don't have a veto power, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to still be keeping communication open, understanding and communicating this is what we're doing and why and being open to letting open to criticism but not but it doesn't mean that we give up the enterprise, you know, if, if, if there's an objection. And so, you know, disagreement is actually good. I think principals should not be trying to shut down disagreement in the school, but we should all be working towards how do we move through our disagreements to, to something better. Practicing those skills. Absolutely. Practicing. They'd only have more discussion in the classroom. If only. It'd be better. Yes. Yeah. To be able to say, yeah, I think those are, those are great things and great take-home messages for our school board members. We appreciate you sharing that. I am sure there are going to be some other uh, members listening of our audience who are going to want to follow up with you, uh, get some more advice from you. Would you mind sharing with us some contact information, how others, um, Dr. McAvoy could follow up with you? Sure. You can see my, if you Google Paula McAvoy, M-C-A-V-O-Y at NC State, you'll see my faculty page and there you'll see some um, 
you know, some con some links to resources and research that I've done on some of the issues I talked about. And then you'll also see my email there, which is pmacavoy at ncsu.edu. And I'm happy to, um, to talk with people further. Wonderful. Well, Dr. McAvoy, this has been wonderful. We appreciate you sharing your expertise. We appreciate you showing us that political discussions, as we have reframed them uh, with your expertise, can absolutely be done in the classroom. And we hope to hear um, about more classrooms in and around North Carolina um, taking a hold of your advice. So we really appreciate you being on. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, everyone, to listen to this episode of The Board Table. Thank you, Amber. And we truly appreciate your expertise, Dr. McAvoy. It was great to hear examples of how it is possible to provide students with nonpartisan democratic education and highlight that those skills will benefit them for the rest of their lives. Have you ever heard the saying, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu? Subscribe to this podcast to make sure you always have a seat at the table. If there's a topic you want us to cover in a future episode of The Board Table, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at NCSBA, Facebook at NC School Boards Association, or email us at info at NCSBA.org. Until next time.